Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Boy, did I ever need a word from God. And we go to this conference, and this man of God stands there, and I come up to him, and I start, oh, start to whine, you know, and tell him all about my situation. He said, look, I don't want nothing about you. I'm like, huh? He says, let's just let God speak. That's a good idea. Let's let God speak. And then he opens up his mouth and he begins to prophesy about all the things that we had been through. He could see it in the Spirit. God knew all about it. And he's just like, he's just opened up a letter and he's reading my mail. And you know, I'm just standing there, I'm like, wow. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a wow factor when you run into a true prophet of God. And they begin to tell you things that only God knows. And he's telling me this. But one of the statements he made was this. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. He says, you got to understand something. That what happened to you, man did not do it to you. God did it. I'm like, thanks, God. But he had to do it in order to get you where you are now. God has to take us out of our comfort zone sometimes, put us in a place where we don't want to be so that he can take us toward our destiny. That's what God was doing, and that's what God was doing with Daniel. If Daniel would have stayed where he was at in Judah or Jerusalem, we would have never heard this story. We would have been preaching about be like somebody else. But this morning we're preaching about be like Daniel because Daniel found himself in a place that he never wanted to be, but here he was. Listen, as children of the Most High God, we may not always be where we want to be, but if we trust the will of our sovereign God, he will put us where he wants us to be, and that is where we need to be. Is that good or not? Amen. You can write that down if you want to, because you're going to need it sometime. This is precisely where Daniel and his friends found themselves. They found themselves in Babylon. And where are you today? You are in Babylon. You're in a world system, a sinful, wretched system that made, should make your heart long for heaven. It does mine. My citizenship isn't here. And I understand that things probably aren't going to get better. They're only going to get worse because Jesus said they would. Because we're living in the last days. I got news for you, folks. Hillary ain't going to fix it. And Trump ain't going to fix it. It's going to be fixed. But only the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to fix it. So that it's permanently fixed. So put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in God. Don't trust this system. James said, friendship with the world or the world system, the cosmos, is enmity with God. And when we trust the system of this world and we get our eyes on that, then we get our eyes off of where we truly can trust. 
That's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, he says, don't be anxious about anything. And I hear people wringing their hands over the election. Oh, God, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) Don't fret. Don't worry about it. Here's what you got to do. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. How shall we pray about everything? With supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. All your friends are looking at you and go, you're so calm. How can you be so calm, Brian? (laughs) You don't watch the news. You watch the good news. You look to the scriptures. Amen. You trust in the maker of heaven and earth, not in the earth itself. You understand that there is a ruler. I like the t-shirt that came out several years ago. It says, I got good news for you. There is a God and you're not him. Regardless of what you think, you're not We can't control the situation. Trump isn't God. Hillary's not God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Daniel and his friends found themselves in Babylon, in that place that they didn't want to be. But although they were in Babylon, they never allowed Babylon to get in them. Although they were in Babylon, they never allowed Babylon to get in them. Folks, Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Above everything else, guard the very core of your being. Know who you are in Christ. Guard that with everything that you have. Make yourself, say to yourself, when you get out of the bed in the morning, you put your foot on the floor, thank you, Jesus, I'm your child. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. There's nothing in this world that can harm me because if you were for me, who can be against me? And we go out and we face the challenges of the day with confidence, knowing that our God has already gone before us. That was Daniel. Daniel's like, hey, hey, Nebi, you know, you were here and you brought us here, but God was here before you was. He knows exactly what's going on. That was the confidence that Daniel had. He knew no matter what happened to him in Babylon, that God was still with him there. God was with him when he was with before Nebuchadnezzar. He was with his friends Shadrach and Abednego when they went into the fiery furnace. He was with Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den. He was there with Daniel and before Daniel when the king had his dreams and Daniel was called to interpret them. So what I'm saying to you this morning is be like Daniel and understand that God is with you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to go with you wherever you go and in whatever circumstance or situation you are in, he is already there before you. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, who was there with them? The Son of God. So he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He was there then. He's here now. He will be with us then. 
Amen? <clears throat> so, here's what happened to Daniel and his friends. The Babylonians attempted to change and strip them of their identity. Now, what does the devil want to do with us? He wants to change us. There was a singer that was popular back in my day when I was young and had hair. And it was black and full with a mustache. But he used to sing this song. My friends tell me you're too extreme. That's what my friends say. You know, and, and people tell you that all the time. You're, you're just too extreme. You're too extreme. You, you, this Jesus thing, you just carry it to the nth degree. Well, don't you think that's just being a little bit fanatical? Guilty. Yes. What of it? Don't you think you're being a little extreme with your ignorance and foolish ways? Don't you think that some of the things that you do that are way over the top are just way out of, out of bounds and, 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 and is going to destroy your life if you don't stop? And we don't question those kind of things, but when someone is living for Jesus, and, and if they're a little bit vocal in public, then we say, you're a little bit extreme. Shh, shh be quiet. Don't let anybody know. Keep your identity. Daniel knew who he was. They could not strip him of his identity. They gave him a new name. But Daniel still knew who he was. This king took them and they changed their names. And, and, and here's, here's what they changed their names to. Well, Daniel's name, which means God is my judge, was changed to Belshazzar. Belshazzar means Bel, protect his life. Now, who was Bel? Bel was also Kermurduk. He was the chief Babylonian god. He was like the big god over all the other little gods. And and this is what they were trying to get them to serve. They were trying to get Daniel to serve Murdoch. To say that he is, that, that Murdoch is, is the one who will protect my life and not Yahweh. But Daniel's name meant Yahweh is my judge. Hananiah, his name meant the Lord shows me grace. His name was changed to Shadrach, which means under the command of Aku, who was the moon god. Mishael his name is, Who is Like God? Wow. Now, who would you like to go around with a name like that? Hey, who is like God? Well, let me tell you, there is no other like my God. You know, that, that's, that would be good to have a name that presented a question to everybody. You know, Paul, uh, Peter says, be ready always to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. So when someone asks you, who are you? You can tell them, I'm a child of the living God. I am a son of the Most High. Because of his son Jesus and what he did for me at Calvary. You can answer those questions. Prepare yourself for that moment when someone asks you, what's the reason? Why are you so different than everybody else? It's because of what I got in here. It's basically because of who I am. Or more importantly, whose I am. And then there's Mishael, who was like God, who was changed to Meshach which means who is like a cool, the moon god. Then there was Azariah. Azariah means the Lord helps. You know, it's not kind of like the little quirky saying that we used to say sometimes, you know, something happened unexpected. It's like, Lord, help me. No, it's more like, 
The Lord helps me. He's my, he's my help and my strength. He's my defender. He's my high tower. As it says in Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. He's my safety. He's my shield. He's my buckler. I run to him. He is the Lord who helps me. His name was changed to Abednego, or the servant of Nego, or Nebo, or Nabu, the God of learning and writing. They were trying to change who they were. And this was an attempt by Nebuchadnezzar to change their loyalties from Jehovah to the gods of Babylon. Now, the God of this world, who is Satan, is persistently attempting to make you forget who you are and, more importantly, whose you are. You ever question that? Have you ever questioned that? You know, early on in my faith, I was constantly questioning that. Lord, am I really saved? And the Lord was having to constantly remind me, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're saved because of what I have done. You say because of a gift that I have given you, and I have to constantly remind me of that to myself. And that's okay. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Do that for yourself. I mean, we have to edify ourselves sometimes, right? And we do that through meditating on the Word of God. And to meditate on the Word of God means to speak it over and over and over again to yourself. It's like regurgitating and swallowing it. <laughs> like a cow chewing its cut. You know, it's, 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 it's that process of digesting. When a cow chews its cud and it spits it up, you know what it's doing? It's digesting. It's got four stomachs it's got to pass through. It's kind of like the last stage of getting it done. You know, get her done, cow. But we have to remind ourselves that the enemy wants to change who we are. If we are tempted to go places that is out of our character, if we're tempted to do things that is out of our character. We need to remind ourselves of who we are and whose we are. We identify with Christ. We want to represent Him because we are His ambassadors. And we need to remind ourselves of that. People are looking at you. They're watching your life. And you need to represent. You know? So if you go around singing psalms and praises to the Lord and, and meditating and speaking in tongues and, and all those good things, all you're doing is representing. So somebody asks you, what are you doing? You say, I'm representing. Who are you representing? Oh, let me tell you about it. I'm representing my King, my Lord, my Savior, who has changed my identity. He has brought me into His courts. He has changed everything about me. He is educating me through His Word. He has given me something of substance. He has given me good food, rich food that I can chew on. And He's making me like Him. Praise God. This is Daniel. And these are some of the things that we can learn from him. Now, although Daniel and his friends... You know, knew that Babylon was not their home. They submitted to the authority that was over them until it conflicted with the word of God. And when they were offered the food from the king's table, they courageously but politely asked Nebuchadnezzar's chief of staff for permission not to eat the foods that was unacceptable. Now, they were respectful, right? And they asked not to do, they asked to be dismissed from the things that were unacceptable. You know, sometimes we are just like lambs that are led to the slaughter in this world. And we end up getting slaughtered. 
And when we go to places we shouldn't go, we do things we shouldn't do because some, some foolish person asks us to go with them, and instead of questioning it, we just blindly follow, and we're like the blind leading the blind, and we all fall into the ditch. We have to know who we are, and we have to walk through life with our eyes wide open, alert and sensitive to what's going on around us. I want to tell you something, folks. You have a real enemy. We talked about that in the last series that we just did on spiritual warfare. You have somebody who wants to destroy you, who wants to strip you of your identity, and who wants to kill you and to rob you of your destiny. And he will do it through any means. And there's some things that look good on the surface, but underneath they're rotten to the core, and they're poisonous, and they will destroy you. Don't follow those things. Now, this is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't going to give in to those things. And when the king offered them the food from his own table that was being prepared, I mean, most of us would look at that and say, you know what? King Nebi is letting us eat from his table. Isn't that cool? We get to drink his wine. We get to taste all of his meats that have been offered to their gods and everything else. And, and, and that, isn't that great? Oh, that tastes so good, man. You ought to taste some of that Babylonian chow. That's good stuff, man. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who they were. And there was a particular dietary, um, a, a particular diet that they were supposed to follow. And as Hebrews, and as royalty in the house of God, in the house of Jehovah, they knew that they could not stray away from that. So they politely asked the chief of staff if they could abstain from the king's meats and his rich foods and his wine. They respectfully asked. Now, I went to work for a company years ago, and they hired me to work for them, and they told me, and I knew, it's a utility company, it's Duke Energy, and, uh, but I knew when I got hired on that I was first and foremost a minister of the gospel, I was a praise and worship leader and a Sunday school teacher at my church. That was important to me, and that took a priority in my life, and so I politely asked the hiring person, the person that was interviewing me, I said, look, I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a praise and worship leader at my church. I teach Sunday school. And it's important me, to me to be able to be there. I said, I, I, would, I wouldn't miss it for anything in the world unless, you know, there's just... But I do understand that this is a utility company that you guys run 24-7. And there's certain times that I'm going to be need out of necessity and, and there's really nothing you can do about it. We just got to be here. I understand that in the case of emergencies and whatever needs to be done or scheduling and so on and so forth. I said, but if you would, could I make one request? Could I be excused from working on Sundays? Because first of all, it violates the commandment about honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's the first thing. And the other thing is that I have other commitments that I would like to make and I'm not asking for exemptions or anything else based upon religion or anything else. It's just based upon principle. Would you still hire me and honor me in that way or let me? And I, I'll promise you, I'll be a good worker. You know what? They hired me on the spot. In 10 years of working for the company, I worked two Sundays out of 10 years. And those were absolute necessities. 
that I had to work. And one of those Sundays, they allowed me to go in, lead praise and worship, teach Sunday school, and then leave and come to work. I mean, you know, God gives us favor. And God gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. They were taken to a place, put under a king who did not know them. They could have been destroyed, annihilated, or anything else. And they were respectful because of their attitude, because of the way they conducted themselves, and because they were men of principle. He saw something of value in them, and he honored them. Now, here's what happened. Now, Daniel and his friends said to, to the chief of staff, if, if you would allow us to do this, if, if you won't uh, make us eat this food, but maybe just, just, give us fr- just give us vegetables and water for a period of 10 days. And after 10 days, come check us out. You know, you can do a physical. Look us over, and if we're getting thin and... And, and we look bad or whatever. We don't want to put your position in jeopardy. But if you will do that, then come back, check us out. And, you know, then after that, if we have to, we have to. Was that being in your face or anything? No, that was being respectful to those who had authority over them. Now, Romans chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says that to... Um, Submit to the authorities over you because the powers that be are ordained of God. Submit to the governing authorities that are over you. And this is something we as Christians need to learn. That we can, we can advance so much farther if we are respectful and submissive in our attitude, even as Jesus was. You know, when Jesus was being led to the cross, there's a verse of Scripture, a passage of Scripture in Isaiah said that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and yet he he opened not his mouth. Jesus never defended himself. He never said, Daddy's going to get you. You know, he never said, you're going to die for this. He went humbly. He went because he knew that it was the will of God that was there. Daniel knew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they were there because of the sins of their people, because of what they had done to God, because of what their nation had done. That's why they were there. They were submissive to the authorities, and they knew that God had placed them there. Now, I got a principle for you, and this is not something that, that God gave me. I just happened to read it out of the footnote from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it says this, it's easier to resist temptation if you have thought thought through your convictions before the temptation arises. Think about that. It is easier to resist temptation if you have thought through your convictions before the temptation arises. Let's sink in. Okay, I don't want to hit you like a thundercloud. I want to just kind of soaking rain here. Let that sink into your spirit. It's easier to resist temptation if you have thought through your convictions before the temptation arises. Now, we have give, given this, this false um, uh, image of, of Christianity is that when you become a believer, you check your brains at the door. You know, when you walk into church, I kind of grew up that way. I mean, it's like, it was all based on feelings. You know, you're sitting in church and, and everything's quiet and all of a sudden somebody, you know, gets a wiggle in their belly and they're like, "Woo!" And they jump up and they start speaking in tongues and you're kind of looking at them and it causes confusion because everything's based on feeling. I felt it. 
There's nothing I could do about it. I had to respond. Well, you just had a gas bubble, dude. There's another response for that. The bathroom's that way, you know. But when we think, everybody do this. You know. You know where temptation comes from? It's all here. It's between your ears, between your temples. That's where the problem lies. It's here. And if we will think before we act, we'll save ourselves a lot of trouble. It will save our knees from getting on the floor and repenting and crying and snotting and going, oh, God, I'm so sorry. God's, I mean, I could just imagine the Holy Spirit. And we do it over and over again. And if it's, it's a good thing God didn't call me to be the Holy Spirit because I just yanked somebody up and said, come on, man, think about it, get over it. It's time to move forward. Don't go back there. Don't go back to wallowing in the mud like an old sick sow. Come on, it's like a dog returning to its vomit when they do those things. Don't go back there. Look forward. Turn your eyes straight ahead. Don't look to the side. Walk the straight and narrow. That's the path that leads to to, to glory. That's where we go. Not like this. Not like that. You know, and some of our lives are like that. You know, we go back to the wilderness, you know. We jump back in the briar patch and we come back out. Oh, God, that hurts. And the Lord said, I didn't tell you to go there in the first place, you nimbo. I said to get your eyes straight ahead. Think about it. Think about it. And this, I'm just being honest and candid with you this morning. Is that all right? I mean, I could talk religiously to you and and be soft and, and really concerned about your feelings. I'm more concerned about your soul than I am your feelings. Because feelings come and go. And it's not about feelings. It's about reality. And this was Daniel. He knew where he was at. He knew what he was going through. They knew that it would be easy just to fall into the trap of doing something that they knew they shouldn't be doing. But they chose, rather, to question it to do the right thing, even if, if it costs them. They stuck to the principles. And this is something that we as believers must do. We must understand that temptations to violate scriptural principles will surely come. Luke 17, 1. In other words, sometimes we're, 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 we are tempted to cheat on our taxes. We are, we are to, uh, tempted to, to watch things we shouldn't watch or to tell a white lie to get out of something or to cover our own hide or to participate in questionable activities because we think that no one is looking. Or as they say in Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That may be true in the eyes of the world. But I want to give you a scriptural principle right here. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. Verse 23, rather. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one to whom we are accountable. Does that make sense? 
Nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows it, but God does. He knows every little thing about you. He knows how many times you sneezed last year. It's in the record. He knows. Daniel and his friends knew this. They were honest with their convictions. They were up front with the chief of staff. They told him they could not accept the food and wine, that, that, that it wasn't proper for them as Jews. There are things that, that we, we do that are improper for us as Christians. And yet we compromise and we do them. And the rest of the world is looking going, what's up with that? I thought that man was a believer. I thought he knew Jesus. I'm just getting awfully quiet in here. Hey, I brought some amens that are taped right up under here. I'll pull them out and use them. Amen. They were honest with their convictions. If we're honest with our convictions, then we know that if we participate in certain activities to do things that we know are questionable, that will violate scriptural principles. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Stay away from every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. Not just the big evils. Every kind of evil. Abstain. Stay away from. He tells Timothy, flee also youthful lust. Stay away from them. Daniel and his friends knew this. We cannot avoid every kind of evil because we live in a sinful world. But we can make sure that we don't give evil a foothold by avoiding tempting situations and by concentrating on this, being obedient to God. Being obedient to God. You know, sometimes when we're on the, 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 the threshold of compromise, the enemy starts to do this. He says, well, you know, everybody else does it. There, there are other Christians that do it. And we step out a little closer. You know, you know I know a pastor that does that. And, and, you know, they get by with it. Well, what about that movie star that just got saved? They do it. So surely it's all right with you. But inside, our spiritual Geiger counter is going, beep, 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 beep. Don't do that, you dummy. When our concentration should not be on that, the temptation, our concentration should be on obedience to God. Am I being obedient to God? I wish I could say that I've learned that really, really well. Because sometimes I backslide in that area and I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. And it happens when we fall asleep at the wheel. It happens when we get lax in, our, in, in the study of scriptures in our prayer life. Well, one thing about Daniel we know is that what Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood stood on on what revealed the revealed will of Jehovah God. They politely asked the king's attendee, if possible, to allow them only water and vegetables for 10 days. And they did. You know what? After 10 days, they came back and did an inspection. And man, they looked better than their friends. I mean, Daniel steps out and says, hey, check this out. What do you think? Oh, you're good, man. You're good, dude. Shadrach says, 
Hey, watch this pose. What do you think? Oh, man, you're good. You look good, man. I, you know, and, and, and Meshach steps out and says, check out these legs, man. And it's like, I mean, don't look at mine, but you can imagine his. You know what I'm saying? They, they looked at him, and, and when they did the inspection, they looked better than, their, than their, their cohorts because of what they were eating. Amazing, isn't it? Because they went back to the original diet. <laughs> he agreed. So Daniel and his friends got to stick to the diet. Now, the lesson in all of this is this. Like Daniel, stick to what you know honors God. Don't compromise. The world has so much that attracts the senses that will hamper what God may attempting to do in you. Understand this. We are in Babylon, but we don't have to allow Babylon to get inside of us. We don't have to allow the things of this world to get in our heads and in our hearts. How can we do it? Guard it. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow forth the issues of life. And it says in, in Psalm chapter 119, verses 9 and 10, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by giving heed to the word of God? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God provides a buffer for us in our mind. And our minds are this. You know, whatever comes into the eye gate goes into the mind. And then we begin to think about it. And that controls what we do with our body. And then what we do with our body determines our destiny. Can either propel us forward or destroy us. Or put us eons behind the eight ball in our walk with God. Where do you want to be? That's the question. What do you want to be? Well, it's up to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's up to you. Now, since we're so good at pointing fingers, take your finger and say, it's up to you. <laughs> That's where Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego were. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We all know that scripture. We should by now. If you don't, where have you been? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, I urge you, brethren, by the, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed. Suskimatadzo, <laughs> it means to fashion alike. In other words, to conform to the same pattern. In other words, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't look like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't participate in the things of the world. What is the world? The world's system. You know, Jesus said about his disciples in John chapter 17, he says, Father, keep them, for they are in the world, but they're not of the world. We're in it, not of it. So we have to understand who we are. My citizenship is where? It's in heaven. This earth is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim and a stranger. I am an alien. I don't belong here. Pretty soon, the fathership is coming. He's going to transport me out of here. And I hope you're with me. Yeah. I remember several years ago. It's kind of funny, but I was watching a movie that many of you may have watched. And it had uh, Will Smith in it, and it was about aliens 
what was it called? Um, men in Black. That's it. I just thought about that. The men in black, and they're going around, and they're seeing all these aliens that all these other people don't see. That's kind of the way it is in the kingdom of God. We can recognize other aliens. You know? I love to have church in Walmart. Y'all ever have church in Walmart? Now, Kevin and I, I've had church in Harris Teeter and Walmart. We have church. For we're two or more gathered in my name, there I am also in their midst, so we can have church anywhere we go. And as aliens, we can connect. You know, we're of the same blood type. We have his royal blood flowing in our veins, and we can go into the bank, and we can have church. We can go to Walmart, and we can have church. We can walk down the street, and we can have church. We can have church anywhere, because we are. But we cannot allow the world to get inside of us. We've got to be like Daniel, know who we are. Don't compromise. Don't be conformed to this world. Or this cosmos, the world system. I call it Babylon. Don't be conformed to Babylon. But be transformed. In other words, let that metamorphosis of change take place in you by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, you want to know what the will of God is for your life? People ask me all the time, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I'll know the will of God for my life. I like to give them this verse of Scripture. It's like, here, open your mouth. (laughs) I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God isn't asking too much of you. So that you, and don't be conformed to this world. Don't let this world change who you are. Strip your identity and take away from you your royalty. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get in the Word, because that's going to change you. So that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's good preaching. That's good stuff. Now, that's exactly what Daniel did. He and his friends... Their minds were so fixed on the holy law law of God that it caused them to be steadfast in their convictions. And this is what happens. And this is what happens to us if we're faithful to God. How many know that promotion comes from God? Amen? It doesn't come from man. It comes from God. I remember sitting one time, and and I'd worked hard at Duke Power Company, and and I'd been faithful in small things, and, and God had elevated me and had given me like this pie job. And I actually had people that passed by my desk, and they'd look at me. They'd turn and look at me. And I say, how did you get this job? I mean, how did you get this job? I said, God gave it to me. He promoted me. And he did. Now, God gave these four young men an an unusual appetite for understanding of every aspect of literature and wisdom. And this is is in Daniel 1, 17 through 20. And, And he gave to Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. And when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them. And no one impressed him as much. Now remember, there were a thousand of them that were brought from Judah. And then there were all of those that were were native to Babylon, or the king's court. And none of them 
impressed the king as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered into the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. God is looking for people like that in the church to represent him in the seven mountains of our culture. He's looking for those who will go into the mountain of education and represent him with integrity, to stand above the rest, to be one of the most wise and knowledgeable ones there, to do their job with such excellence that it cannot be discounted. He's looking for those who will be bankers and businessmen in the business mountain who will do it with integrity and excellence, and everyone will talk about them because of their lack of greed and their their character and their godliness and the way that they represent Christ and the goodness that they have inside of them instead of that ruthless old banker that likes to take away everything everybody has. And then he's looking for those who will represent him, believe it or not, in the mountains of politics, who will be a godly person, who will stand above the rest, who will be a person that has knowledge and wisdom to know what to do like the sons of Issachar. He wants us to represent him in every facet. And most of all, he wants us to represent him in the mountain of the family. To represent him with integrity in the way we deal with our wives and our children and our family. To love them and deal with them with excellence. I mean, God is looking for excellent parents. There's no higher calling in the world that God has given us than being parents. Godly, holy righteous, God-fearing parents doing it God's way. There's no higher calling. Years ago, many of you won't remember this, but believe it or not, Franklin Graham and I are almost the same age. But I remember before Franklin Graham was walking with the Lord, and someone was interviewing Billy Graham, and they asked him, of all of your ministry and all the places you have traveled throughout the world and you've preached to millions and millions of people, what would you do differently? And those words that came out of his mouth brought tears to my eyes because Billy Graham dropped his head. And he said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own son? And the reporter was taken back and said, what do you mean? He said, I preached to thousands, millions of people. But I neglected the ones who need me the most, my own family. I'm going to stop right there. If we dare to be like Daniel, we'll find ourselves living and walking in the favor of God. If we dare to stand on the principles of his word, we will discover that we will be fruitful in whatever circumstances or positions we find ourselves in. For it's never by accident that we find ourselves there. But we will excel if we dare to be like Daniel. Rise above your circumstances. 
rise above your situations. God is greater. Be like Daniel. Be like Daniel. So when you're in Babylon, don't do as the Babylonians do. Do like who you are programmed by the Spirit of God to be. Be who you are, a child of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We know, Lord God, that we cannot do these things in our own strength. But God, you never ask us to do it in our own strength. For you said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we know, Lord, that by your power, by your ability, Lord, that we can be like the Apostle Paul, Lord, who said to you, Lord, please take this this thorn out of my flesh. And you said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so, Lord, as we look to you this morning and we realize those things, Father, that we cannot do anything in our own strength, we look to you. We look to you. Lord, we won't allow this world and the things of this world to overwhelm us because we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I pray for your people this morning. I pray, God, that we will be who you have called us to be, that we will be like Daniel. In these last days, Lord, that we will represent you with, with integrity, that we will represent you with holiness, Lord, that we will represent you with the authority and the power that you have given us, that we will represent you with humility, Father, that we will re- represent you with respect for all around us, Lord God. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus because we know, Lord God, that we need someone greater than ourselves. And we look to you. Will you say that with me? Lord, I look to you. I need your grace. I need your strength. I receive your ability. For you have said that I will give you power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I will make you my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, in Jerusalem, and throughout the world. And we thank you, Father, for this promise in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.